But as you may remember, this Advent, we're attempting to consider the life and experiences of Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. We're trying to imagine how she may have viewed the full experience of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, even as she looked back on all of those events. We're tracking our way to the manger, though, kind of backwards, as it were. Last week, we considered the end of Mary's life, and today our focus will be on the events uh, that occurred probably about 15 years before her own death. The death of the one that she delivered in that stable and laid in the manger in Bethlehem. Interestingly, the possibility of a tragic and painful death and the impact that it would have had on her was prophesied as one of several events in the hours and days right after Jesus' arrival that rightly gave Mary much to ponder. From the portion of Luke 2 that is often overlooked, we read in verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they, Joseph and Mary, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according uh, to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation and you have, uh, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what, he, what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Thirty-three years and some change after these haunting words from the devout old man in the temple, Mary's world crashed. And it probably literally felt as though her very soul had been pierced. Jesus had been arrested in the middle of the night. Rumor was that one of his own disciples had been the traitor. A trial led to his conviction of blasphemy in the eyes of the religious law. And things continued to spiral quickly out of control 
As the sun peaked above the horizon, her baby boy found himself before the Roman governor charged with leading an insurrection. Imagine her sense of hopelessness and anger and despair as the crowds cried out, Crucify him! And she looked and saw her baby. Crucify him! The one so closely connected to his heavenly father and intent on ushering in a kingdom of love and grace. But the crowd cried again, Crucify him! In John's Gospel, it's confirmed, like you'd expect from any mother, though there was nothing she could do to stop the events that had in many ways been predestined before the beginning of time. There was no way anyone would be able to keep her away from the one whose scrapes she'd cleaned from the time he entered the world. Surely she watched in horror as his face was disfigured due to the beating and every inch of his body was racked with pain as he hung on the cross. Even as he hung there just moments away from his earthly death, he locked eyes with his mother. And then he gazed to John, the disciple next to her, and requested that he, John, take care of Mary as he would his own mother. What went through the mind of no longer young Mary in those final hours up to the moment when Jesus took his last breath? While part of her likely prayed that her son would die simply so that his suffering might end, I wondered if she remembered that first Christmas? Would she have remembered the Magi? Their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh represented a very strange gift to give to a young child. It was used to make the oil that anointed holy things dedicated to God. It was used by kings for their scented oils. It was mixed with wine in a near useless attempt to lessen the pain of those who waited for the relief of death as they hung on the cross. And it was used to embalm the dead. Maybe she wondered, was their gift a sign all along? Could it really be that the tragedy in front of her eyes was somehow part of God's plan? Did she recall the words of Joseph? the one who an angel had also visited for him in a dream and told him to take her, Mary, as his wife, which no doubt came as a great relief to her. Do you think that before Jesus' death or before Jesus' birth, when Joseph reassured her that he believed her story about the babe she carried, do you think that she heard him say, that he was convinced that this baby, not yet born, would save people from their sins. What could he have meant? And then as she stood at the foot of the cross, maybe, maybe it came back to her. Maybe her thoughts trailed back to the manger itself and those grimy shepherds 
busting into the makeshift labor and delivery room, apparently directed there by an angel. Who had said to them, I have good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Luke tells us that those events associated with Jesus' birth led to pondering for Mary. I think Mary was a good and deep thinker. But that day, 33-some years later, on the day that we remember most especially on Good Friday, through her tears and the agony of her own soul, she must have pondered again. She must have wondered how this event occurring to her beloved son, could possibly be good news? How could the death of her baby somehow bring peace to the world? To those questions must have come the ringing of the words of the old holy man in the temple, Simeon, who said to her that her own soul would be pierced. Yes, her soul was pierced by the sword of indescribable grief. For Mary, the only way the hideous cross could make a moment of sense was if it was seen through the events surrounding Christmas. Christmas and Easter are a package deal. But so too is Christmas and the cross. The coziness of the manger is really interrupted by the violence of Calvary, isn't it? The thought that Jesus' death filled with unimaginable suffering as it was brings us forgiveness is, is honestly tough for us to comprehend. How much more difficult would it have been for Mary? The cross, though, does speak volumes about human sin. It reminds us that we human beings are a broken people, prone to do wrong things, even to the one who is coming to save us. The cross proclaims, though, that God longs to forgive us. God longs to redeem us and restore us, even at the cost of his own life. Evidence of sin is obviously replete in our world. I don't need to tell you that. But there are dramatic examples, of course, mass shootings, ongoing wars, daily crime in our own communities. But we risk, we risk deceiving ourselves if we think others are the only source of evil, don't we? Crippled with grief, Mary fell before a cross that was a mirror God was holding before humanity. The cross that said there is something dreadfully wrong with a creation that God had made. It is something from which you need to be saved. And as Jesus stretched out his arms, the message was that God was willing and able to provide that salvation. I think it's possible that as Mary found herself on the hill called Calvary, her mind returned to a stable, a manger, 
in a little town called Bethlehem. Helpless and unable to save her son, in that moment, she also realized that his suffering would save her. The salvation that you and I have received cost Jesus his life. It cost Mary her son. And so a major landmark on our Advent journey to the manger is the cross. 